high and low, hot and cold. I looked everywhere for what I need, but now I know. Now I know I'm going back to loving me. Well, hello everyone. I am back to loving me. How are you? I'm Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate you being here. I know there are plenty of things you could be doing like binge watching Netflix or Showtime or playing video games. So I am delighted that you decided to join me tonight. If you're looking for ways to improve your self-esteem, your business, circumstances, and relationships, you've come to the right place. As a soul sculptor, I help you break out of the mold of past, clearing whatever stands in your way so that you can have the life and the business of your dreams. And if you should have a question and you'd like it to be answered on the air, I will be taking callers if uh, that's probably at about halfway mark or so. And the numbers that you can call in at are 701-719-4207 or 712-775-6619. Those are the rights. Yeah. Okay. So what are we talking about tonight? We're talking about understanding and dealing with narcissism and if you are anything like me, you are probably wondering what the heck is going on on this planet because it seems like every day there are more narcissists. Well, I'm not sure that it's true, but it does appear to be so. So over the past decade, narcissism has been on the rise. Now, Freud thought that everyone passed through primitive narcissism on the way to healthy self-development. And the truth is that all children need love, nurturing, and praise to be confident and self-assured. Narcissistic needs are normal. You know, we all look at ourselves in the mirror and hopefully we say, wow, you look terrific. Because if we're not saying it, who is, right? So as we become adults, we still need appreciation from friends, from significant others, Appreciation is also known as validation, which is essential for healthy self-esteem. So the flip side is no one wants to be called a narcissist. None of us do. But what happens if we have a narcissism, a narcissist in our midst? So um, helping clients heal from narcissist Behavior and abuse has become a part of my coaching practice, and it has become a more prevalent part of my coaching practice over the last two years especially. And as a trauma coach, anyone who's had close relationships with a narcissist has deep trauma. And I will also say that so do narcissists have deep trauma. You know, narcissists come from somewhere they're not born, they are created. And how is a narcissist created? Well, 
a trauma that happens in childhood, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but it could be as simple as having parents that were busy, parents that were busy making money, parents that were working, a parent that had their own issues and wasn't present with their child. So they're not born, narcissists are made. And now there is a difference between NPD, which is narcissistic personality disorder, versus someone who is narcissistic. And we're going to be talking about whether there's a cure and how to handle someone who's a narcissist. We'll be talking about all those things in this next hour. So perhaps relating to a few famous narcissists will help you gain a little further understanding because it sure did open my eyes when I started doing this research. And just know that these people have expressed narcissistic traits described by others. They may not have been diagnosed with narcissism. So some of those were, and there are others as well, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Joseph Mengele, Casanova, the Marquis de Sade, Peter Sellers, Saddam Hussein, the famous heart surgeon, Dr. Christian Barnard, Steve Jobs, Sharon Stone, the list goes on. Are you, are you starting to get it now? Madonna, Paris Hilton, Elvis Presley, Warren Beatty, Ryan O'Neill, Alec Baldwin, Margaret Thatcher, O.J. Simpson, Ike Turner, Tina's ex-husband, Pablo Picasso, Joan Crawford, and if you ever saw the movie Mummy Dearest, that was kind of like my life. Actually, yes, Eva Perone is another, Marlon Brando, Charlie Chaplin, Liberace, and Jim Jones, who was the Kool-Aid cult fame leader, um, William Shatner, Kanye West, and Simon Cowell. All of those have been termed as narcissists. Now, a, a quote by Kurt Cobain, one of my favorite artists, believe it or not, uh, tells it all. Here's the quote. I don't care what you think unless it's about me. And that's the truth about a narcissist. Narcissists want your attention. They want your adoration. Now, if you've seen the movie about Steve Jobs and his climb to fame, his behavior and rage was highlighted in this movie. And it is said that Steve Jobs became a much better boss when he adopted humility. So the interesting thing is that he was able to do some changing. In a study by Brigham Young University, Marriott School of Management cites that those executives who admit their mistakes and limitations, acknowledging the, the contributions of others, command the most respect and loyalty for their, from their team members. And then, of course, their team members deliver better results. So the caveat is humility, like meditation or golf, may take some practice. Narcissism is often necessary for success. 
you know, Steve Jobs' obsessive commitment to Apple made him the dynamic leader in the computer technology that Apple is today. You know, and according to Huffington Post, uh, Professor Bradley Owens uh, went on to say, he, they interviewed him for this article, humility is not meant to replace some of the quintessential aspects of leaders. It's meant to supplement and buffer them from the extremes of narcissism. And in my opinion, that's in my personal opinion, humility is part of an awakened soul. And my sense is that when the soul awakens, humility takes over. Narcissists are everywhere. We find them in government offices, in charge of large corporations, the head of world organizations. We might even have a parent, husband, boyfriend, or maybe a girlfriend who's narcissistic. So that being said, what are the signs of a narcissist and what traits do each of us have? Well, each of us have some elements of narcissistic behavior. It's a natural part of the human experience. But what determines when someone is a full-blown card-carrying narcissist? Not that there is a card for narcissists. Maybe there should be. Uh, Narcissism is on a spectrum, rather like autism or Asperger's syndrome. Chronic insecurity, grandiosity, lack of empathy is all on a range. And those are all part of narcissism. And narcissism is um, not actually a clinical term. It's a description. It's deeply misunderstood. And narcissists exhibit a very high level, I want you to hear me now, they exhibit a high level of self-esteem, exhibit, but that is a shell and it's not real. So the outer persona that they project is someone with great confidence, bigger than life, brilliant when actually they feel worthless and have extremely low self-esteem. And actually, if you are able to see energy, you can see that a narcissist looks almost invisible. Narcissistic personality disorder is a diagnosis, and it's achieved by meeting a list of criteria established by the American Psychiatrist's with the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It's not a book that I have read nor care to. However, what I will say about it is significant clinical distress needs to be shown for a diagnosis to be made. And typically when issues cause an individual difficulties, such as organizing thoughts, being able to function, perform their job, eating or sleeping, that is when a diagnosis is made. But in most cases, a narcissist is not bothered by their symptoms. Other people are. Narcissists tend to project their issues outward and don't feel they have any problems at all. In fact, scientists at the Queen's University in Belfast reviewed three studies of narcissism. And what they found was quite interesting. 
And what they showed was that narcissists appear to be healthier and much more resilient than other people. Well, what could lead to that? Their findings suggested that narcissists are horrible but happier than most people. <laughs> this was in the Daily Mail. I love the way they write their articles. The study claims that those with overinflated sense of importance means uh, narcissists are less stressed and not as vulnerable to depression and even illness. And one type of narcissism, the grandiose type, seems to have increased mental resilience as well. So maybe it does pay to be a narcissist. I don't know. But what I will say is my mother is one. And she's 98 years old, living alone. She still drives a car. She still does her own shopping. She still takes care of business on a daily basis. She reads six books a week. She is quite self-sufficient. So there is something to be said for that, that narcissists can have a stronger, um, a stronger uh, resilience because, why? Because they don't get caught up in the emotions like the rest of us do. They don't feel as deeply as we do, especially empathic people. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit more depth in a moment. Narcissists seem to cause more problems for their family members and the people around them than they cause for themselves. As I said, you know, they don't think they have a problem. And I do remember way back when my mother went to a psychiatrist for one session and my father and I went to support her. We waited in the car. It was a summer's day. I will never forget it. And she came out to the car and, you know, we had been sort of sitting there reading books while we waited. And she got into the car and said, I will never go back. She made me cry. She didn't want to feel. And she didn't want to dive into the depth of despair that is at the root of her issues. And so all of that has been placed on the back burner. She doesn't deal with any of those things. So a diagnosis cannot be made. In other words, if I went to a psychiatrist and described my mother's traits, they, you know, and all the issues that I've had over my lifetime with my mother, they cannot diagnose my mom. They, they cannot diagnose your narcissist if there is one in your life by you describing all the difficulties you've had. They have to see the narcissist themselves. They have to see the, the patient themselves to be able to make a diagnosis. And what's the problem with that? Well, you heard about my mother. She would never go back for therapy. Not that she didn't need it, but narcissists don't show up for therapy. And if they do go, they quit. Why? Because they feel there's nothing wrong with them. And if you've ever attempted to get a narcissist to marriage therapy or any other type of therapy, you will understand exactly what I'm talking about. So how many people in the world are narcissistic? Well, 
it would be just a gross gross estimation, but I have heard it said between 10 and 20%. And that varies depending on who you talk to. Not only is the percentage of people on the planet that are narcissistic variable, but also the subheadings for narcissistic behavior are also variable. So depending on who you talk to, there are a lot of different variables. And we're going to talk about a couple of different types of narcissistic behavior. And what I will say, I'm just going to couch this whole discussion with what you will see in one type of narcissist, you often see several of those traits in another type of narcissistic behavior. And so that when I was doing this, this research and, and for this article here, I found that almost everything referred to the narcissist that I know. So the four primary types of narcissists are grandiose, covert, malignant narcissist, and fragile narcissist. Now, depending on who you talk to, those titles can change. I've also heard them referred to as, let's see, um, a vanity narcissist, an entitled narcissist. Let's see what else. Uh, well, of course, the covert one was the same. The fragile narcissist and the control freak. So that's what I'm saying is that everybody has their own opinion about it. And I'm talking about psychiatrists and, psych and psychotherapists. So. What is a grandiose, let's get into this, the grandiose narcissist is the one that when you look in the dictionary for the description or the meaning of narcissistic behavior, this is the one that comes up, the grandiose narcissist. It's a classical narcissist. Could be said that Beethoven was, no, Beethoven played classical music. He was not a classical narcissist. So um, here are some of the traits of a grandiose narcissist. They are attractive, typically articulate, articulate, more articulate than this host here, here tonight. They are associated often with glamour and celebrity. In other words, Hollywood is loaded with them. Um, they're often grandiose in uh, their storytelling and experience. They may be arrogant. They seek admiration. Um, vanity is a big deal, you know, constantly looking at their appearance. If you remember a song by Carly Simon, uh, You're So Vain, it was written about Warren Beatty. She dated him briefly, and she wrote the song You're So Vain about him because he was constantly looking at himself in the mirror. Okay, if you've ever known somebody like that, <laughs> you know what that feels like. Okay, so here's the biggie, though. So when a narcissist is called out, when you tell them that they're wrong, when you try to blame them for anything, or if they're disappointed or frustrated or even hungry, they rage. They can be very quick to temper throw things even, maybe be violent. 
So they, they have difficulty managing stressors like disappointment. They can become irate very quickly and easily. And they measure success by power and money. And, you know, this, like I said, this is the classical type of narcissist. It's the one that we associate with success and wealth. Now, the grandiose narcissist um, looks great. When things are going well, they look fantastic. They're managing, um, you know, they're able to manipulate the world around them. Life tends to go well for them. And when disappointment does arise, a deal doesn't go through. They don't get the promotion or uh, somebody shows up at their door when they least expect it and their dryer's not working. The kids don't get to start on the football team or their friend marries someone better or prettier than their partner the cracks begin to show. They may become rageful. They project blame on others. Why are they so attractive? Well, they're charming. They're charismatic. They exude confidence, cleverness. They're usually very attractive and appealing. I know, I married two of them. <sighs> So just by being in their presence, you may take note. They talk about themselves a lot. They talk about their lives. They talk about what they're doing. And like Kurt Cobain said, I don't care what you talk about as long as it's about me. <laughs> All right. So their stories are so interesting. They're so big and they can pull you into their bubble. All right. So what are some of the warning signs? What can we watch out for? to notice when somebody's narcissistic because early on they can be so darn appealing. What are some of the warning signs? Well, they may lie about the weather. They may say on inauguration day that the weather was great and it didn't rain when it really did. Um, they get bored when someone else is talking. They may talk over other people so that they have the floor. They love to talk about themselves, their car, their job, or their kids. They will stop making eye contact when the attention is not on them. They may fiddle with their phone. They may use the excuse they have ADD. They may have ADD, <laughs> but they may use that excuse. So Here's the thing is that it's often confused. This, this grandiosity is often confused with confidence. People that are confident are usually quite humble, though. So many of us are humble. We can be drawn in by the narcissist's charm, their chronic self-promotion. And they are masters of love bombing. Now, what's love bombing? Well, love bombing is when they, they give us attention. They might, may buy us flowers or take us out to dinner or buy us gifts. Um, uh, they're, they're, they may go over the top with gestures to get our attention. They look good on paper, their salary, the way they look, how fit they are, the family they come from. They're very good at hiding their issues. So how is the grandiose narcissist formed? 
Well, they may have been praised as a child, told how wonderful they were. What a great swimmer you are. What a fabulous diver you are. Wow, you are so awesome. Maybe only though that that was the event that their parent was interested in. But maybe they weren't supported emotionally in other ways. If I said, you know, earlier, remember when I said that if their parent was busy, you know, focused on work, was a workaholic, maybe. Maybe their mother didn't have her act together. Maybe she had her own issues, you know, early on. She didn't have um, the presence to, to give her child full attention. Maybe she had her own emotional issues to work through. So if that was the case, then that child isn't going to get the emotional sustenance to support them. So maybe they worked on their physical appearance because it keeps their parents engaged. They get praise for it. They get praise for looking good and doing good. And at the same time, the parents are under-engaged emotionally. Now these Parents may be mirroring their own parents' entitled behavior. We don't know, but they may be unable to raise the child in an emotional manner, giving them the support they need. The narcissists most enabled by social media, self-promotion, overselling their abilities and their willingness to break the rules to get ahead. So I, I met a woman and this was just a few years ago, and it was the first woman that I met face-to-face that was a narcissist. And I I wrote an article about it. Actually, it's in my uh, narcissist archives. So if you're interested in reading any of my articles, all you have to do is Google a word. You could Google narcissist and Jennifer Elizabeth Masters, and then you'll find a slew of articles will come up. I have archives of over 1,100 different articles. So this particular woman, when I met her, had been a ballerina. She'd been a an airplane mechanic, a fine airplane mechanic. She had been a, uh, let's see, a social media um, manager. She I, The list was long of all the things that she was so good at. And she really drew me in with the love bombing. And um, I, I, I just, I was blown away when I discovered um, <laughs> the truth. It took me a little bit. But so, you know, it can be a real problem if we get on the wrong side of a narcissist. You know, for example, um, a grandiose narcissist might cut you out of their will And for whatever reason, there would be hell to pay. Now, this very thing happened in my my family. And my my mother felt that my my brother stole her photo album. And he, he was cut out of the will. And he vows that he didn't take the photo album. Why he would want it, I don't know. But anyway, he was cut out of her will. So whether that is going to stand long term or not, I cannot say. But what I will tell you is narcissists don't like to lose. 
So if they and they and they can be very paranoid. They can think that you're stealing from them. Um, a grandiose narcissist is over con- overly concerned about appearances, and they will do their best to convince you, their neighbors, and everyone else, you know how wonderful they are, how wonderful their happy family is. Appearances are of utmost importance, even. If the grandiose narcissist is penniless, they will do their very best to wear expensive looking clothes, maybe um, redesigning the clothes they have to make them look better. Um, But looks and appearances are extremely important. And a grandiose narcissist may do their very best to keep wealthy friends around, going out of their way to wine and dine them, to keep them close for appearances. Money and uh, and position is very important to them okay what's the problem here the problem is you keep wasting time and energy on and maybe even money um, buying them things thinking you're going to win them over Um, you know we get that good feeling of excitement when you know we do get love bombed by the the narcissist Um, so you know, whether you buy your mom flowers or or plant her garden or spruce up her home, whatever it is that you're doing for this narcissist, looking for that happy reaction, we have to remember they can run hot and cold. So one day they may be warm and the next day icy cold. All right. You may keep trying new strategies, hoping things will change, but they're not going to. It's a very rare thing. Grandiose narcissists play on hope, fear, and guilt that keep people stuck. We hope that things will return to the good times when maybe they feigned appreciation. They pretended to appreciate what we did for them. Maybe she was love bombing you in those days. Or we fear that we're going to lose their love or end up alone. And then sometimes we have guilt remembering the good times. Oh, I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want to wreck that for her or him. So validation is another point that we tend to return to the narcissist for. We always come up short when expecting to be validated by the narcissist. They are the ones that long to be adored and will go off in a rage if we call them out on their actions. A narcissist will never take responsibility for their actions and rarely, if ever, will they say they're sorry. We keep going back to the well hoping they'll change, but they can't and they won't. All right, so that's the grandiose narcissist. Now here's a little bit about the covert narcissist. The covert narcissist feels put upon by the world. They are passive aggressive. They feel like life did them wrong. They may appear to be depressed, kind of a woe is me attitude. I guess it wasn't my time. They may be hypersensitive to criticism. They can become cold and distant. They don't bond. They feel the world never understood them or got their greatness. They feel victimy. Nobody gets their excellence. They blame the world. It must be nice that you got that job. It must be easier for you to get ahead where you work, that type of thing. That is a covert narcissist. 
So a covert narcissist can um, be very secretive. They might have affairs and hide them and lie about them. And uh, you are totally in the dark. All right. So now the only other narcissist we're going to talk about tonight, because I feel like that all of this is such a heavy subject anyway, is that the malignant narcissist. Now, we know what a malignancy is. A malignancy in cancer is something that will kill you. So a malignant narcissist is, wow, it is, it is the scariest of all. And um, this is what my mother is, a malignant narcissist. They're, they lack empathy. Um, they're very pompous. They express themselves very largely, big, um, like a Bernie Madoff type. They have no regret no sympathy, no empathy whatsoever. So the malignant narcissist is an extreme mix. Um, they have antisocial behavior, uh, aggress aggression, and even sadism. It's really sad to say. So... Um, very similar. They, they do have the traits of the grandiose narcissist as well, um, always ready to raise hostility levels. But the malignant narcissist undermines families, may break up marriages, um, <laughs> criticizes people to the place where, um, it, you know, marriages can fall apart. And organizations in which they're involved in, they dehumanize people with whom they associate. Perhaps you know of somebody out in the big world that is that way. Um, malignant narcissism is a hypothetical experimental diagnostic category. So it, it, is, it is one of the, the biggest types of narcissism. It is the scariest. Um, but, you know, when a mother or father is a malignant narcissist um, and they have more than one child, there will be one that is the golden child and there will be another child that is the scapegoat. And if you are the golden child, you're you're wonderful. You are amazing. And the apple of the narcissist's eye while the scapegoat is blamed for anything and everything that goes wrong. Malignant narcissism, as I said before, is the most dangerous form of narcissism. It has a base with little empathy and lots of entitlement. They're very superficial. Um, they do not bond with people. And some of the other patterns, there are more, include exploitation, in exploitiveness, exploit, I can't even say that word, they exploit you, <laughs> they exploit people, they're very controlling, uh, they um, can be menacing, mean, sadistic, uh, cruel, um, and, and in a cruel way that isn't observed in other types of narcissism, um, they're very deceitful, they protect their interests and fragile egos. Uh, their patterns of deceit and exploitativeness um, has little to no regard for the safety of others. And what I can say is that um, 
they're extremely destructive. And what they most narcissists tend to do is try, especially the malignant narcissist, they tend to triangulate in relationships. So um, they will they will get you to to be on their side against you know your dad, for example, or they'll get you on their side to be against your brother or sister. And so there's constant triangulation, which ruins relationships. They're extremely dece- deceitful. Um, there could be some sort of um, addictions, whether it's addictions to uh, drugs, alcohol, spending is a big one, you know, because they want to look good. Um, they often believe that other people are out to get them or are against them. They think the world is out to get them. And they may um, hurl unfounded accusations like, um, you know, you, you did something horrible, like, like my brother stole her photo album and he did not. Um, so it, it could be, you know, that they, uh, they say you're cheating and you're not uh, because of this paranoia that they have. Um, you know, they may have lots of security issues. They may take their phone to the bathroom, that type of thing. So they may also believe in conspiracy theories and um, believing others are out to get them or harm them. Um, Their paranoia can also fuel their rage. These people can act violently towards others. And, um, you know, they may have harmed so many people that um, there is someone out to get them, actually, in actual fact. one of the things that I've noticed with malignant narcissism is a need to put others down to feel better about themselves. So um, they won't comment. You might be wearing a beautiful new outfit, but they either say nothing or ignore the fact that you have something new on or they won't comment about your new haircut or color or new shoes because they want to be the center of attention and they don't like giving uh, kudos to anyone. All right. Remember I said they're committed to exploiting others. They are calculating and they don't care about being unethical. They're committed to bending the rules and very disagreeable. So there are lots of world leaders, corporate leaders fit into this category and, um, Why are we so attracted to the malignant narcissist? Well, you know, they appear fearless. They have this swagger. They seem stronger, braver, more courageous. It makes us feel comfortable and safe initially. We trust when we shouldn't. The malignant narcissist is more controlling than other types uh, they can appear to be so into you in relationship. Um, the the, <laughs> the flavor can appear to be passion um, because they're so manipulative, love bombing and lots of gifts and attention at first. And then they can appear uh, like the, the wolf in Little Red Riding Hood. It's better to know you, my dear. And they gather information which they use to frighten you, manipulate, and control you. Yeah, it's rather dark. You know, it has been said, and I I cannot 
confirm or deny this, but it has been said that narcissists do not have a soul. Now, like I said, I cannot confirm or deny that one. I will just leave that out there floating. So we can get into this obedient framework, you know, with these long-standing patterns of capitulating. You know, that's something that I got into. If you had a mother or a father that, excuse me, Boy, those words got caught in my throat. <clears throat> if you had a mother or father that was a narcissist, you may have become paralyzed in fear. And when we become in fear, it gives the narcissist power. It allows them to draw people in and keep them in. A malignant narcissist will keep you on the hook until they get what they want from you and then leave you to suffer. Excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm choking here. <clears throat> Many of us have ended up with narcissists as bosses, whether it's malignant or otherwise. And they can get away with horrific treatment because of the workplace environment. So you may, when you listen to this, you may go, oh, that just put the light bulb right on, turned it on. So I just want to remind you about the malignant narcissist. They appear menacing. I, I will tell you this, you know, my, my mother is not a big woman, but holy cow, um, people get out of her way, you know, even at 98 years old, <laughs> they do. <laughs> they are unethical, willing to break the rules, and it can be enticing as well as terrifying. Pick your poison. All right, so what are the traits? So I'm just going to go over these quickly for you. I feel like we should be playing scary music in the background. What do you say there, Doug? <laughs> they have an air of superiority. They are entitled, hugely entitled. Uh, they exploit others. They rarely form relationships with others. In other words, they have superficial relationships, not deep, deep friendships. And I know looking back at my mother's friendships, um, she was friendly with our neighbors, uh, but there was never a deep connection. Uh, they discard people quickly when they realize they can no longer serve them or they can't provide them what they need or want. They manipulate their children. They're pathological liars. Um, truth has no merit or value. And, and as their needs change, so does their truth. They lack empathy and sympathy, and they'll pretend to be sympathetic. Now, here's, here's a biggie. Don't argue with a narcissist because they're always right. They never accept responsibility for their actions. They hate being called out or reprimanded. They like to control others. They triangulate. They blame others. They're great actors. Now we're talking about the malignant narcissist here. Cruel and heartless, sadistic. 
especially, especially if you hurt or harm them. And it could just be uh, you hurt their feelings, but they could be extremely sadistic in return. Um, they don't trust others, and they feel so special and unique and also believe everyone's out to get them. They have this delusional bubble of reality, and they are the best at everything. Uh, you might hear a narcissist say, they like me, or something to that effect. Anger and rage issues, which we talked about, they're rigid in their beliefs. Holy cow, I've tried to convince my mother of some things, not happening. They're hypocritical. They condemn others when they're doing the same thing themselves. All right, so aren't you excited about this subject? It, it's, a, it's a very vast one, it, and it is one that I, I feel like we all need to do a little bit of study because, uh, you know, we can look at ourselves and we can have more compassionate for, compassion for ourselves and for those that are in our lives. Nar narcissism in itself is a very complex subject. And there are other aspects that occur that can make us feel like we're crazy. Narcissists are adept at manipulating and making us feel like we're losing our minds. They, they can go from love bombing to manipulation to gaslighting. And what is gaslighting? Well, they may, they may tell you something that is not true. And when you say, that's not true, they will tell you it absolutely is. They may tell you that you said something that you didn't. They may make up something that condemns you and convince you that you did it and leave you feeling absolutely batshit crazy. I've had this happen in many different ways. So they may reach into the past, bring out a, a long forgotten event, and remind us of it in a way that it didn't go down at all. And then that leaves us questioning our sanity. Gaslighting is what narcissists do to make their subjects or objects feel off balance and insecure, and it works extremely well. And the truth is that no matter the narcissistic truths, um, <laughs> truths must be remembered. You cannot argue with a narcissist. You cannot blame a narcissist. And, and if you try to make them responsible for their actions, that is when they will become extremely angry. Don't expect an apology. It's a very rare event. I think in, in all my years, and I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm older than 12, uh, I've only received one apology from my mother. One. And, and believe me, there's plenty of things she could have apologized for. So, And that was an extremely special event. So they don't feel sympathy or empathy. It's just not possible for them. And, and this is why, you know, because they don't have those deep, hurt feelings they stay healthy and stronger they they can live longer their you know their bodies are more resilient so most likely if you have a narcissist in your midst you are a sensitive or an empath 
if your parent was a narcissist, you're an empath. So what does that mean? Well, narcissists and empaths are typically paired together. Why is that? Well, they're like the opposite. The narcissist feels little where the empath feels deeply and feels everything. It's the yin, yin and yang. It's quite interesting. So if you had a parent who's a narcissist, then what that person was doing, they contracted with you so that you would learn who you were, so that you would grow, so that you would love yourself more. So they're in your life for a reason. All right, so now what can you do if you have a narcissist in your life, one that is either in your family or you're married to them, and you don't want to leave or divorce? So there are some things that you can do. You can take action in quiet steps. You can distance yourself emotionally. Remember, narcissists can be very devious. You can... <laughs> you can cut them off from communication. You could you could say, well, I'm not I'm not going to call. I, I will call it once, and and I'll wait for them to call me back. But you might find you're waiting a very long time because they they won't they won't pick up the phone and call you. Typically, they cannot get better because they don't think they have a problem. So save yourself and save your loved ones. You can distance yourself with, now I distance myself. I'm in another country. <laughs> I'm so far away. So you could do that. You could move away. Or if you cannot do that, you can do what I call the dart and dash. If you must make a visit, you make it quick. You don't talk about deep subjects and you don't talk about things that are going to bring up um, feelings of insecurity in that person. Do your best to show up when you say you're going to be there and don't surprise them. Narcissists typically do not like surprises. And at the same time, don't expect them to change. You know, many of us, me included, have gone back to the well countless times wishing and hoping. Maybe, maybe they'll change. Let's take a nice deep breath. We cannot expect other people to change. The only person that we can get change from is ourselves. The only one we can change is us. Now we can change our experience of them. And back in December, what I did was I chose to put myself first. And I love my mother. I will always love my mother. But I don't... Um, make myself sick trying to make her happy anymore. So I am not, um, I'm not resisting. I do my best to not, not argue 
And I can't tell her she's wrong because she won't receive it. <laughs> I, it's funny because I, I text, texted somebody a couple of days ago about the rules for engagement uh, with the narcissist. Let me see if I can find it because it was, it was quite, it was quite uh, telling. Rule number one is never argue with, with a narcissist. Number two, the narcissist is always right. Rule number three, revert and remember rule number one, <laughs> the narcissist is always right. <laughs> so we, we, cannot, we cannot fight City Hall, and we cannot make someone change if they don't want to. We cannot make somebody go to therapy if they don't think anything is wrong with them. So now every week I do, at the end of my show, I do an It's All Bullshit little segment. And so what I want to do just in a nutshell tonight is what's the It's All Bullshit part of narcissism? Anyone who wishes to do deep treatment and focus on getting to the root of their issue can be healed. And the truth is that all narcissists have at the root, a deep pain and a trauma from childhood that needs healing. There is a hurt little person inside of them. You know, in my mother's case, she was an orphan at five. She did not get the love she needed. So I have tremendous compassion for her. I can only imagine what it must have been like to be five years old and not have parents and be in an orphanage. So it can be a huge challenge to recognize that your parents loved you but weren't present when you were a child. And that's what creates narcissism. They didn't know how to be. They had jobs and their own issues. So in order for healing to occur, we need to recognize we have an issue. And most narcissists don't recognize they have a problem. If they go to therapy, they look for the wrong type of therapist because they don't recognize they're a narcissist. They don't have an issue. A narcissist needs someone who knows how to treat childhood trauma. It will take time and commitment. And the truth is, each of us is here for a reason. The narcissist, whether they're a parent, a child, or a partner, is here to teach us about ourselves. And we need to express deeper compassion and love for ourselves. And when we do, that process of loving and accepting ourselves unconditionally, we embrace the present moment and all that encompasses. And we need to focus on loving ourselves the best way we can every day. Everyone deserves love and the narcissist needs more than most. I have an article, if you're interested, if your mother is a narcissist, it's called The Mother Who Blames You. So that might be helpful for you. And again, the Narcissist Archives, if you Google narcissist or narcissism, Jennifer Elizabeth Masters, you'll see a group of uh, narcissistic articles will come up. So rather than out someone with an issue, we need to embrace compassion and understanding Time on this planet is short. 
Why not focus on ways to accept and understand rather than change, label, and condemn? And remember, the partner of the narcissist is the empath. The narcissist is in your life as your greatest teacher, as my mother has been for me. My mother has taught me the depths of self-love. It might have appeared hurtful at the time, but because of the type of mother I had, it has totally made me who I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it weren't for my mother. So remember, we need more love, not less. We need more compassion and less judgment. Everyone has issues, and we're here to rise above the challenges and love everyone as they are. Attempting to change anyone means we do not accept ourselves fully. So let's get back to loving ourselves in the best way that we can. I love you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Let's get back to loving ourselves. Good night, everyone. Hot and cold, I looked everywhere for what I need. But now I know.